1: Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is Susan Spaulding. She's the founder and leader of Recalibrate Strategies, and that's a consulting firm that helps Leverage her experience in marketing, communications, and business to help other organizations recalibrate and grow their organizations. And she has just released a book by the same name, Recalibrate, a Strategic Guide for Accelerated Growth. And she's here to talk with us today about how we can use some of the principles in our businesses in order to grow them. Welcome to the show today, Susan. Thank you, Kelly. So, recalibrate. Let's talk about the name of the book, the name of your company. When you say recalibrate, what do you mean by that?
2: Well, when I think about recalibrate, I remember that it's a verb.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And it has to be a way of life and business today. With the ever-changing marketplace and increased competition, if a company is going to be a success and if a company is going to find the right growth strategies, they're going to be in a constant state of recalibration.
1: Absolutely. When you say it's a verb, too, that implies action. It It means you constantly are making those little fine adjustments, sometimes big ones, too, or you're not just standing still. In order to grow, you're going to have to take some action. And so very, very appropriate title there. Yeah, you're absolutely
2: right. And I think it's really important to remember that companies can recalibrate an evolutionary state and also a revolutionary state. It, Both it, aspects of of, of change mm-hmm. should should always be on the table and should always be considered.
1: Let's talk about that. What what would you say is the difference between an evolutionary state and a revolutionary state, and how might those little adjustments, those recalibrations, differ in each of those stages?
2: One of the people I interviewed, uh, Rich Matthews, with Newell Rubbermaid. Mm-hmm. He has an incredible story about revolutionary change, and the example that I'm thinking about is his recent introduction of a whole new product category for his organization. He went through it in a very methodical way, and I had the pleasure of working with him Mm -hmm. to do that, and his business as part of Newell Rubbermaid, is in the industrial tool category. And you wouldn't think that would be very exciting. Right, right. But it was.
1: Revolutionary. Revolutionary.
2: (laughs) And the way they were able to make it revolutionary, first they did their homework Mm -hmm. and really understood what was out there and what product categories they could potentially inherit
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: develop as part of their portfolio that would be adjacent, effectively adjacent, to what they already are known for. Mm -hmm. So we first went on a search for all the different kinds of product categories that were out there that would fit within their core competencies and that would reach the audiences that they already reach, and that's Mm -hmm. all different kinds of subcontractors. We zeroed in on HVAC. Okay. Okay. And we were out in the field all the time, climbing around the sites, talking to them, engaging them in the, in the creation of the products that, that Linux would move out into mm-hmm. the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So it was really exciting. And, and what happened, because those HVAC technicians were right beside us in this creation Linux was able to create revolutionary products, something that that particular industry had not seen Mm -hmm. in a very, very long time. Sure. This was launched about a year ago. Okay. It was the most successful launch they'd ever had. Wow. Of a product category and the products themselves. Yes. So it was fun.
1: It sounds it sounds like it, especially all that like, crawling around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, one of the things that you said though is they did research. A lot of times, company. I mean, there's a fine line. There's a balance. A lot of times, companies will get a great idea, and. They'll go with it, only to find out after they have invested so much time, so much money, that it really wasn't such a good idea after all. And and there's that fine line between doing your research and taking a calculated risk based on that research, and just jumping into something whole you know wholeheartedly without doing that because sometimes you can wait. Too, my point is sometimes you can wait too long. And then the opportunity is passed. So can you talk a little bit about that balance uh, when, you, when you're going through this recalibration? Uh, how, I heard somebody tell me once, you know, if you've got 60% of the knowledge, if you're 60% of the way there, go ahead and jump. Go ahead and launch, whatever it is, and you'll figure the rest out as you go. I mean, what, what's your view on that? I would agree. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Otherwise, you can engineer yourself. There you go. Right. <laughs> Forever. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to move. On the other hand, if you've developed a process and approach to recalibration, mm-hmm. then you have the customers already involved. and True. And you're going to be very market-driven in your decision-making. So, so that's what you really need to do is, is just make the customers part of your team. Okay. And that doesn't mean you have to do lengthy formal research to gauge uh, whether the product is going to work, although I'm certainly an advocate of that. Sure. Talk to two or three
0: mm-hmm.
2: customers. Have them at the table as you as you brainstorm what what this idea is and how it's going to work in the marketplace. Just having that much grounding with your customers can make all the difference. And that
1: doesn't have to take much time. No, and and an idea is great, but a paying customer is what keeps the lights on. And so to talk with your customers and find out that it's something somebody would pay for is really important. You know, uh,
2: you bring to mind one of the interviews that I conducted, and that was with Claire Brand,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: who uh, is with Hallmark. And one of the things that, that they introduced into their mix is what they call Consumer Thursdays. And and so they invite consumers in, and whatever ideas they happen to be working on, they share those ideas with the consumers mm-hmm. in a very informal way. So the consumers are helping reshape the idea all mm-hmm. the way along
0: yeah.
2: in a very casual and a very um, informal but provocative sometimes and meaningful ways.
1: Absolutely. consumer or The consumer or the customer is sometimes the best consultant, you know? <laughs> I mean, and, and I know you're a consultant, but I think you'd probably agree with that, you know? I absolutely but, yeah. agree with that. So let's let's go back to your book. Um, we've talked a little bit about what key, uh, recalibration is, what it means to recalibrate. Why did you decide to write the book? You've been doing this for a long time, the, you know, espousing the principles and helping companies use what's in the book. Why did you decide to finally put it uh, on paper. I
2: think as as I continue to consult with clients, I just kept hearing more and more and more about the pursuit of growth strategies and how to figure out which ones are the right ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and,
2: and so I had the opportunity to... Um, survey a number of business executives and and it was fascinating to me that that um one of their number one issues was not really understanding what the customers valued
0: mm-hmm.
2: in the process of where they should turn their company and make sure it was the best it could be so with that as a backdrop i thought it would make the most sense to apply what what i've been doing all my career, and that's go out and talk to a lot of different people and and listen to their stories mm-hmm. and and then be able to share those stories because to me the the easiest way to find a new idea and be able to absorb that new idea is to is through storytelling
1: absolutely and
2: and to hear what worked for some people and maybe what didn't work for others. Right. So I thought it would be fun to practice what I preach and go out and interview uh, executives from small companies, from big companies, from all kinds of different industries and gather um,
1: what was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great great approach because, as you say, you hear it from people who've been there, done that, have experienced challenges, have found solutions, Um, some maybe still searching for solutions and and can talk about what hasn't worked. But it's it's always good to see what could be something that's very theoretical, uh, put in practical terms that a a company just like theirs or similar to theirs has experienced. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be talking with Susan about the four
0: tenets of recalibration. We'll be right back. Do you practice entrepreneurship? Intrapreneurship? Do you know how to show what you know? Benedictine College Executive MBA Program has been the launching pad for many successful, innovative products services and ventures. As the only one-year Executive MBA Program in Kansas City, our conveniently located North Johnson County campus and weekend class times will fit your busy schedule. Go to benedictin.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program. Hi, I'm Jason Lofton, CEO, President of QTI Incorporated. Every Friday, we discuss ways for small business owners to prosper and excel in their industry. So join us every Friday, 10 a.m. Central Time, right here on the Small Business Thinking Bigger Radio Network.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Susan Spaulding. She is the author of a new book called Recalibrate, a Strategic Guide for Accelerated Growth. And this is a book that will help companies make those adjustments. Some, as Susan pointed out in the first half of the show, some revolutionary, some evolutionary. But it helps you from becoming stagnant, really. And when you become stagnant, you may as well close your doors, especially in this day and age. You can't just expect to do what always worked and be in business for very long. So talk to us about the four different tenets of recalibration that you address in the book. Okay. Those four different tenets
2: really came about through um, the market experience that I have that spans many years. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And it's really... um, Fundamental to how companies uh, navigate their threats and opportunities, and what they need to really keep top of mind as they look at those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, the first tenet that I talk about is relevance. Yes, and and relevance sounds pretty simplistic, but oftentimes it uh, can be a challenge. So, what do I mean by relevance in this case? It's knowing what matters. Yes. It's matching the organizational competencies and goals to current and emerging consumer interests and needs. Mm-hmm. So again, it's that balance of of relevance to the consumer and relevance to the business.
1: Sure. For example, at, I, I, you've got lots of examples, but what what made me what I thought of immediately when you said that is that at one time Kodak uh, was. It was a thing. I mean, when it came to pictures, it was, co- and then they didn't make the appropriate market adjustments to stay relevant, and we all know what happened. So,
2: that is an example in my book, actually, and and uh, it's it's such a well-known brand mm-hmm. to have suffered its its loss in the marketplace.
1: Right, right. It's really sad. Yeah, it is. So, so relevance is very important. You have to stay fresh. you have to be watching those trends what's your other what's the second principle um, the it? second
2: principle is is really about differentiation mm-hmm. and you know the art of differentiation is so important and it really helps you create the brands that matter and and it doesn't mean it's just about acute message or um Something that's whiz bang around mm-hmm. a new product. Right. It, it, differentiation comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. For example, I'll go back to the thought that and the example I was using earlier with Newell Rubbermaid in uh-huh. terms of of a great example of of change and and addition. Um, when when I was working with them, they set out to be very differentiating um, with their product category. At the same time, they were also wrestling with really old legacy Mm -hmm. brands and products, and so they looked at differentiation there more from a messaging standpoint. So again, it can come in in a lot of different shapes and sizes when you think about differentiation, but if today you're not different, then, then you're next door competitor, right? then yeah. there's not a lot of value that your consumers see, and, and your growth strategy simply won't be as impactful as it can be. Sure,
1: and I think a really important thing to remember there is it's, not, it's more about the substance than about the fluff. The message is very important, but it's more than just having a cute dog that's in your commercial that gets people's attention for a couple of minutes, but then if the product doesn't work or if it's not providing some kind of value...
2: You are
0: so right.
1: Yeah. It, it's really all about
2: how you create a sense of value. Yes. And, and I'm thinking back to an organization that I worked with that was an ingredient company.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they had created this monstrous list of ingredients that they were selling to all the different food companies mm-hmm. that, that were their customers. They had so many SKUs. There were there was simply no way that they could keep up. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is they put themselves in a really vulnerable position where they they allowed themselves to be commoditized, if you sure. will. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: differentiation is all about avoiding Absolutely.
1: that trap because then you're only competing on price. Right. Yeah. So when we went out and talked to their customers they They talked about the level of
2: customization of of the product, but actually, they talked about some of the service angles
0: mm-hmm.
2: that this company was providing and the technical support that it was providing and And they would, in fact, pay more for that, okay? So again, it comes back to differentiation and knowing what that differential Really is that creates value for your customer,
1: right? And and again, talking to the customers because I've had situations where, and I've used this with other people I've talked to, so it's not a fresh example for me. But um, insurance companies, they are forever sending out those packages, those envelopes full of return address labels, and uh, as some sort of a value add to their customer, and. They go in the recycling bin. They're wasting their money. And I know that's a very minor example, but the point that I'm trying to make is that it, when you're looking for that value add that you can provide, make sure it's something that your customer thinks is valuable, that you're not wasting your money on, that's not going in somebody's recycling bin or that uh, they don't care about. Yeah. One
2: of, um, one of the people that I interviewed for the book, Bill Bernardo with with APC, he he defines differentiation as disrupt. Ah. And it's a wonderful way to think about it. It's disrupting the way that the way you do your job every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's an internal disruption right. to what's going on. But it's also an external disruption. When you look at what's happening in the competitive landscape mm-hmm. and you see that you're all talking about the same thing or Or there's a leader, and all the followers immediately catch up, just to see if sameness. Yeah. So, so his push was all about saying, disrupt. Disrupt. Yeah. Go ahead. Another way to think about it, I was talking to John Winler, who's Mm -hmm. with Tractor Supply, Mm -hmm. and you know they've been incredibly successful, and and. What he talks about in their culture is being re- relentlessly dissatisfied.
1: Sure, yeah, I can so do that. So that they're
2: constantly looking for ways to change and mm-hmm. ways to improve exactly. what they're doing. Raise
1: that bar, exactly. So it, 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 it makes me think about uh, the, you know, we've talked about relevance, and we've talked about disruption and someone told me once that disruption does not necessarily have to be expensive it doesn't have to be really time consuming and the example that he gave was his wife went and bought a new car and He says, Of course we've paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for this new car, but do you know what she still talks about to this day? The first time she got in and the trade in that they had given them, somebody at at the dealership had bothered to see what stations she listened to and had tuned them into her car whenever and so when she got on, her favorite stations were already set to go. And he says, We paid thousands and thousands for this car with all these wonderful features. She keeps talking about the fact that her radio stations were already tuned when she got in. But you know that was disruptive among all the other clutter but it didn't cost him anything i'm sure to do that
2: that's a, that's a great example yeah. i was traveling a great deal the last last number of years and and had a home sweet home in in a um hilton garden inn oh, sure <laughs> and and you know what made it special was because i i would walk in the door and they would say Hi Susan,
0: mm-hmm. And
2: I'd walk into the dining room and they'd have my glass of Chardonnay
0: Aww, on the table there you go <laughs> or I'd
2: walk in the dining room for breakfast and they'd have my iced tea
0: mm-hmm. on
2: the table, ready to go. yeah, we moved our offices during that time, and the Hilton Garden Inn wasn't quite as convenient, so I switched.
0: Mm-hmm. I-, I was
2: there every week, and every week I walked into this other motel, they said, "Oh. Welcome. Have you ever been here before? At
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: least to say I went out of your way back. to go back to I the did. Hilton Garden Inn. I'm sure. Did. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we've talked about disruption and we've talked about relevance. Relevance was the first one. What is the third one? The third one is
2: engagement. And we can really go back to disruption and differentiation as kind of the springboard to engagement because, you know, when you think about disruption, it can be scary to people. Sure. Uh, but what what you find is that if you engage people in the process yes. of
1: disruption,
2: it makes all the difference.
1: Right, they feel like they have control.
2: Right, mm-hmm. exactly right. So engagement really comes from the connections that matter.
0: Okay, the
2: connections within your company where where you have the opportunity to really harness all of the resources and and good thinking that already exists within your company. Mm-hmm. It, it's engaging all the all the people that are influencing the success of, of your organization, so all those people all, um, throughout the value chain, in the distribution channels that you have, mm-hmm. and then, of course, your customers. Yes. So, again, it's coming back to that engagement and, and making sure that, that you're inclusive in that process right. rather than too exclusive and to tear down the silos that, that can sometimes be built and, and you're not even realizing that, that um, you're missing opportunity that way. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Uh, we were examining a, a, a product portfolio. This company had a commercial division and an industrial division and a consumer division, and we were talking to the customers in terms of what they were buying. And they were actually buying from all the different divisions. And this company had had not taken the time to realize that they were leaving all kinds of opportunity on the table by not cross-selling ah. when they were with their customer. Sure. So the customer was just kind of... Finding
1: exactly. these other products.
2: Yeah, the cross selling was
1: already occurring, but it was it was uh, the customer who was who was doing the investigation and how much more could they be making if they were actually suggesting to the customer and pointing it out to them. Yeah, that's a great example. So the fourth tenant. expression. Ah.
2: So we come back to storytelling. Mm-hmm. It it really means um, all about what stories that matter. So you can be relevant, and and you can work very hard to differentiate and engage people in doing it. But if you're not sharing your story, right, you've missed a lot of the opportunity. So it means really just finding and delivering the 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 essence of a of a very clear and compelling story,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and then maintaining that and being very consistent
1: with telling the story exactly and you know the rules have changed so much with social media and uh, the digital platforms that we have we're not as much in control of the story anymore and some people would say we're not in control at all we can put the initial one out there but then the customers will say oh that's not the experience i had that's not true i mean you have to be very careful these days can you talk about that a little (laughs) bit i can um uh, as an
2: outgrowth of, of what I'm doing with Recalibrate, um, I'm also getting ready to launch another business that's around the use of performance metrics mm-hmm. in a very contemporary way. Mm-hmm. And and that's important because of what you just said. It's not just word of mouth. It's word of device. Yes. You know? well,
0: yeah, that's and, a great expression. And sure. it's,
2: it's really how do you capture and see what, all the rants and the raves are. There's just so much out there that you can
1: see. Yeah, and some of these companies that that, uh, get taken by surprise because they're not used to the customers having that much of a voice. And, you know, you hear the horror stories of some of the companies that just go and take down the negative comments on social media, and that backfires big time. so so yeah a whole new game on and and then you've got the the data that you can use to we're running out of time here but th- this is a this is a uh very very uh insightful book it's something that you can read quickly which i appreciate but it's packed with information and so if somebody would like to get a copy where would they be able to do that susan
2: it's it's on amazon okay so you can certainly go to amazon and look for recalibrate A Strategic Guide for Accelerated Growth, and it's both in a printed version as well as a Kindle version.
1: And how would they get in touch with you if they have questions about uh, some of the the tenants in the book or they just want to talk with you, maybe hire you for uh, recalibrating their business? How would they reach you?
2: You can certainly email me at susan at Mm recalibratestrategies.com.
1: Okay, so go out on Amazon, get your book, Recalibrate, A Strategic Guide for Accelerated Growth, or you can email Susan at Susan at com,
2: And you can go to my website as well. Okay, uh, RecalibrateStrategies.com?
1: Exactly. Right. <laughs> and you can get to her through that as well. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, very good information, and I think the big takeaway is you just can't sit still these days. That's exactly right. If you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, you can visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.